Well, I am so excited this morning. As you know, uh, we are privileged around here to be able to have somebody uh, who is on our staff, our staff evangelist, and uh, he has an opportunity to share. He travels all around the nation uh, sharing, but every once in a while we get the chance to have him share right here. So can you give it up for our very own Micah McDonald? Well, good morning, Zoe. If everyone could stand with me as we read our text this morning. If you're brand new here, this is something we do. Uh, just to say we value what God's word says. Um, like Pastor Greg mentioned, we travel all over the United States. And if you think of our family, uh, if you could keep us in prayer, in two weeks I'll be speaking to about 10,000 teenagers in one room. And uh, going to need prayer just for that and the travels that are ahead. We have a busy, busy, busy March. And so we're thankful for our home base and thankful for Pastor Greg and Amber and allowing to be, us to be a part of this family. Uh, we're going to open up to Psalm 84, verse 1. And uh, as you're going there, um, this is a, 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 a psalm. And if you don't know what psalms are, they're basically poetry. Um, it's people who have written songs, uh, poetry, and a way to express their feelings to God. I've always said, if you want to feel sane and not insane, just open up to Psalms. Um, the reason being is because you will find some of the craziest statements in there that make you feel a little bit normal. And so today is Psalm 84. This is a song about somebody who's journeying and hopefully trying to get to Zion or Jerusalem where the temple is. And so in this psalm, you're going to hear a heart cry come out from the writer uh, because they have this grand vision of what it means to be in God's presence. In verse 1, it starts out like this. It says, how lovely is your dwelling place. Right away, you can see his longing for who God is. He says, my soul yearns even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home. Here's some poetry going on, some word pictures and word plays. The swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, for they are ever praising you. And then I want to jump through some scriptures to get to verse 10 here. And it goes on to say this, better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your presence than anywhere else. I've decided to title today's message, The Best Day in the whole world. And I think if the psalm writer could give a title for his song, he would describe the best day in the whole world. Let's pray. God, thank you for an opportunity to hear your word. And I pray today we'd be moved again by your presence to see what it is to have the best day in you. In Jesus' name, amen. What comes to mind when you think of this question? What, what constitutes the best day in the whole world? 
don't give me the Jesus answer because you're like, well, we just read the scripture. But in your mind, what truly would make up the best day in the whole world? I know for some people, they woke up thinking this was going to be the best day in the whole world. I'm not saying this is prophetic, but I am saying this. I just wish I knew what this feeling was like. I texted one of my friends, he's an Eagles fan, and I said, what is it like just to see your team get there? Like, what is that feeling like? Like, I just want to know what it feels like for a Vikings fan just to see them get there. I'll move on because I'm getting angry. With something a little more scenic. Maybe it might not be an event such as a Super Bowl, but maybe the best day in the whole world constitutes a place in your mind. The next several pictures I'm going to show you are all places I've been and traveled to. Traveled to nearly uh, 48 of the 50 states across America, one of them being Hawaii. I've stood on the shores of the warm tropical air of Hawaii, the sun is setting, dolphins jumping off in the distance. I've traveled, I'm sorry, some of you are like, just stop, I want to be there. Yeah, I know, just hang with me. But I think some of us would say the best day in the whole world would be somewhere like here. Very underrated place, Tillamook Forest in Oregon. In Oregon, the forest is so thick that when you drive through the mountains in the forest, the tall trees canopy over the road, your cell phone loses service. It can be broad daylight, but as you're driving down the road, the road is dark, and you have to have your headlights on. I can't explain to you the feeling of driving in a place canopied by symmetrical evergreens lining the road. It has kind of this eerie feeling to it. And then one of the most beautiful outcomes is as you drive through the Tillamook Forest on the west coast, just a couple miles when you get through the edge of the forest, you run into the coast of Oregon, a place I've stood with my own feet watching the sunset behind me this enchanted, deep, rich forest that leads you to a place like this. Some would say that might constitute the best day in the whole world or Alaska. I've had the opportunity to drive for miles in Alaska and watch as the road is covered with drifting, blowing, dusty snow and open for as wide as your eyes can see, and trees are covered and frosted and tipped. Some might say being in this place would be the best day. Or, yes, I have golfed this very hole on the coast of the Pacific, looking out an ocean course, and yes, my ball went in the ocean. <laughs> it did. Would Pastor Greg's ball have gone in the ocean? No, because he's good at it. I'm not. But some might say 
this might make it the best day in the whole world. I have stood on the edges of the Grand Canyon where you look out and all you can do is have your breath taken away, looking at the canyon. And then through the mountains of Colorado, next, this coming weekend, I'll have a four-hour drive through the mountains of Colorado. And then in these places in the mountains, you will have this random lake that you can look out and see it surrounded by a beautiful mountain. And this is in Glacier Park in Montana. And you can drive the cliffs of Montana. My mother and I drove early in the morning seeing the sunrise. Some might say that. Or I've stood on the Siesta Key Beach in Florida where the sand is imported, made of quartz, and it feels like powdered sugar. It doesn't get hot. You pick it up, and it's so soft. Some might say these kinds of places constitute the best place and the best day in the whole world. But if the psalm writer could be here today, he would say it's not the thousands of places, but it's being with the one who formed the mountains. It's being with the one who put the boundary markers for the seas. It's being with the one who made these very places that constitutes the best day in the whole world. The psalm writer talks about better is one day in his presence than thousands elsewhere. And one of the best ways I can illustrate his passion is through a story that took place the other day with my little girl. This is my little girl, Everly. And I was sitting on the couch. I had a book that I was reading. And I've always said and preached that when I spend time with God, I want to spend time with God in front of my children. I want them to see me with my Bible open. I want them to hear my honest prayers. I want them to hear me screaming, praying. I want them to see it. Not just teach it, see it. But something happened that defined a defining moment. My daughter's sitting right next to me on the couch. I have a book I'm reading. And my daughter asked two questions. She goes, Dad, how come you're always spending time with God or reading a book? I thought to myself, well, that should be a good thing. And then she said something that pierced. Dad, I wish you would just spend time with me. Dad, I wish you'd just spend time with me. My heart began to beat faster, and I knew this is going to be a critical moment. I put my book down. I look at Everly. I said, Everly, okay, what do you want to do? She goes, Dad, I want to play soccer downstairs. And so Everly and I go downstairs together, and we have this open room, this long room, and we have two goals. The goals are the walls and the couch of the room. And we start playing soccer for 30 or 40 minutes. And then we discover lightsabers in the room. So she grabs a lightsaber. I grab a lightsaber. We turn on the volume. And we start lightsabering for another 20 minutes. And I watch as I'm spending time with my little girl. She just starts to laugh. And then we drop the lightsabers. We both get on our bellies. And we're looking at each other eye to eye. 
And she starts telling me about school and her friends at school. And she starts telling me about these different jokes that make her laugh. And now I start laughing. And then she goes, Dad, I, I wish you'd laugh more, Dad. And then I think, what is so preoccupying my mind that I am missing some of the most beautiful moments in life? And then after about an hour and a half of playing together, just us, no distractions, nothing, just us, and just staring at each other's eyes and laughing, she comes over to me, and this is what she says. Dad, this has been the best day in the whole world. And I start to cry. And I look at her, I go, Ev, why is today the best day in the whole world? She goes, because dad, you spent time with me. You spent time with me, dad. And now I start to cry harder. She leaves my arms to go get me Kleenex. She brings Kleenex back to me, and now she's taking care of me. And then it hit me. Isn't that exactly what the psalm writer is writing? The best day. More than thousands elsewhere. More than the most beautiful mountaintops, the valleys. More than the Dead Sea. More than the Mediterranean. More than anywhere. Thousands other places. It's just time with my Father. And know what hit me? It wasn't a trip to Disney World that constituted the best day in her mind. It wasn't Peppa Pig Land. It wasn't getting her on a flight and putting her in a bougie hotel. You know what the best day in her mind was? Was being with her dad. And every night before bed, we have a liturgy that we try to practice in our family. And we walk over to our kid's bedside, and we say this to our kids, Everly, do you see my eyes? Yeah, Dad, I see your eyes. Do you see, Everly, that I see your eyes? Yeah, Dad. Everly, do you know that God loves you no matter the bad things you do? Yeah, Dad. Everly, do you know that God loves you no matter the good things you do? Yeah, Dad. Do you know Everly who loves you more than mommy and daddy? God does, dad. You're right. So rest in that love. And I think more than just me saying it to a little girl or a little boy, I think as adults, we need to hear that too. Rest in that love. Because the West in our society does not set it up to experience what the psalmist wrote, how better is one day in your presence. I meet so many people who are worried, afraid, fearful, filled with anxiety. So how in the world do we have the best day in the whole world? Number one is this. Is we have the best day in the whole world by starting with a yearning. You notice in the text in Psalm 1, it says, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. 
my heart, my flesh cry out for the living God. Right away, you see this yearning in the psalmist's heart. The whole body crying out for the living God. But do you notice what precedes his cry? What precedes his cry is the right revelation and the right thought of who God is. How lovely is your dwelling place. This is where the yearning come from. It's not human manufactured. It's not human motivated. It is God instituted. It's how amazing he is. It's how wonderful he is. It's how beautiful he is. It's how slow to anger he is. It's how full of his unfailing love. It's how full he is of his compassion. It's how holy he is. When we have an accurate revelation of who God is, we can't help but now have a yearning for more of who he is. How lovely is your dwelling place, God. And because of that, I long for it. David writes it this way in Psalm 27 when he says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. You see this yearning from David saying, I just, I just want to see God. And then you see Paul say the same thing in Philippians. He talks about his whole resume that he's built up. And then he says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. What is Paul speaking to? He's speaking to a revelation of how wonderful God is. Pastor Dan alluded to it, how one moment changed everything for Paul. He's affirming, he's alliterating back to this moment. I've been undone by who God is. And then he goes on to say this, I want to know Christ. There's the yearning statement. It's like this is his life ambition, his life model. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. When you look at God you realize that the whole reason we can have a yearning for him is because he first yearned for us. When he made us, he made us unlike the ancient Near Eastern gods who weren't real and made humans as slaves to tell them to do what they wanted them to do. No, when he made us, he made us to be God with us. And it's from Old Testament to New Testament. You see him set up a tabernacle in the wilderness where it's fire by night, cloud by day. What is he trying to say? I just yearn to be with you. He started a chosen people for crying out loud to be with them. And then he goes on all throughout the the wilderness and then he goes into the promised land and then there's this period of, of waiting, of waiting for someone to come and then someone named Emmanuel, God with us. And then when you see Jesus, you see who he yearns for. But he yearns for the addicted. He yearns for the person who can't break through. He yearns for the person who's for 38 years been crippled. He yearns for the woman for 12 years who had a blood issue and became an outcast. And you see Jesus, anytime he sees crowds, he has this yearning to be a shepherd because they look like a bunch of sheep with no direction for their life. All to yearn with them. Psalm 92, verse 2, says, I proclaim your love in the morning. There is something about starting your day by proclaiming 
is love. It's almost like the first thing that hits your mind. I have a friend, when he wakes up in the morning, he rolls out of bed, he gets on his knees, and he just begins to thank Jesus for saving him. He just begins to start his day by thanking Jesus for the gospel, for his goodness. What that looks like to me looks like a yearning to proclaim his love in the morning. And then it continues by remaining. It says in verse 4 in Psalm 84, it says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. How does the best day in the whole world happen? It starts with the yearning. It continues by remaining. And this word dwell in verse 4, blessed are those who dwell. It's the same word for remain. In other words, it's this heartbeat just to remain in Christ. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 15. He said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And if you read John 15, the dominating word that, that encapsulates that whole text is this word remain, this word dwell. I'm about to leave. I'm about to leave this world. But apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you remain in my love, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. And you'll show me that you remain in me by obeying my commands. But as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. How in the world do you remain in his love? It starts with the yearning. But what about just storing up his word in our heart? What about choosing to store it up in our heart, meditating on it? What about just allowing the word of God to speak to us? What about taking moments throughout your day just to listen? One of the things I've tried practicing lately is just listening. Not speaking, just dwelling. Just remaining. Listening to God's thoughts. Listening to him speak to you. Or what about remembering what he's done? And you feel like, well, I haven't followed Jesus. I don't even know where to start. Then you can remember what he's done right here. But for those who've served God for a while, know what one of the best practices you can have in your life is remaining in him by remembering him. Remembering how he's moved. Remembering how he's spoken. Or maybe it's reflecting on how God's moved. When I think of that, I think of this picture coming up here. It's a picture of my little boy, Malachi. And uh, not too long ago, he comes into our room, and my wife has a wedding picture by her bedstand, and my son goes, hey, mom, can I have this picture of you and dad, and can I, can I just have it, mom? She's like, it's bedtime, but um, okay. So she lets him take the picture, and then moments later, my wife comes running into our room. She goes... Come, come look at this. I walk into my son's room, and he's sleeping with the picture 
of mom and dad on his chest. I don't know what my son did in the moments before he fell asleep. I would like to imagine that as he laid on his side, he held up this picture just to stare at two people who brought him comfort, who brought him safety, that when he saw these two people, it, it communicated something to him, everything's gonna be okay. That you don't need to be afraid of the dark. Isn't the same thing true when we as God's children remain in his love? That no matter where we are, no matter where we go, we can remember, we can listen, we can store up his word in our heart and mind. So how do we have the best day in the whole world? It starts with the yearning. It continues by remaining and your day finishes by trusting. The culmination of Psalm 84, he's describing the best day in the whole world. Better is one day in your presence. Better is one day in you. Better is one day giving my whole life. Better is one day than thousands elsewhere. And then verse 11, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Verse 12, this is the end of the song. It's the end of the poetry. It's the culmination of a full day in his presence. But blessed is the one who trusts in you. After you've encountered him, after you've been in his presence, after you've spent the day, there's like this deep trust, this unshakable, immovable trust that you know who you are in him, that you've heard him whisper to you, you've heard him speak to you, and that us, just like the psalm writer, might be able to say, time spent with you, best day in the whole world because it's full of your presence. Earlier, I told you about Psalm 92, verse two, that says, I proclaim your love in the morning. And it ends by saying, and your faithfulness in the evening. In other words, you start the day from his love and you end the day in his faithfulness. You know what the faithfulness is? The sun and shield the psalmist is describing in the context of the lens of the New Testament in Jesus. The faithfulness is the promised Messiah named Jesus who would come in grace and glory, who would come in truth to be with people. And so what does faithfulness looks like? It's ending our day, letting God fill in the gaps where we missed it. It's ending the day knowing God's faithful and gonna continue to work even while we're sleeping. It's ending our day knowing that the best day 
is full of his presence. Starts with the yearning, it continues by remaining, and it ends by trusting. Oh, it's beautiful. Right now, there's an awakening going on in Asbury College in Kentucky. You want to know what's marking it? The presence of God. Did you know there are multiple denominations that are laying aside theological differences to be in the same room? Did you know it's not one leader leading it? What's marking this awakening is God is orchestrating it. God is leaking it. You know what the fruits of it are? Confess sin, repentance from sin, faith, people just being in his presence. Because his presence makes it the best. I have felt this increased hunger this increased presence for that. My one challenge for you is to rest, rest in that love. Rest in that love. Do you know that God loves you matter the bad things you do? Yes. Do you know that he loves you no matter the good things that you do? Yes. Do you know who loves you more than anyone else? God does. Now rest in that love. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you've never known this presence, you've never known Jesus, or you have been in a very dark place and there's been no sight of his presence because what you've been fostering isn't his presence, but what you've been fostering is sin. The darkness of sin, the scandal of sin. I wanna invite you into a relationship with his presence relationship with Jesus. So if you're here and you're saying, hey, I'm far, I'm in a dark spot, but I want to surrender my life to him. I want to give my whole life to him. I just want you to put up a hand wherever you are. Just saying, hey, I want to follow Jesus. So awesome. Anyone else? I need to repent. I need to turn from my sin and follow him. Jesus, I thank you for who you are. God, thank you for saving us. Thank you for yearning for us. God, I pray our days would be marked by a yearning for you, by learning to remain. And the culmination is this trust that you are God, that you are sovereign because of time spent in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing a song that someone named Leland wrote. It says, I just want to be where you are. 
I just want to be near your heart. There's nothing like your love. I've intentionally ended my sermon early so you could come to the altar, so you could make an altar at your seat, but to take a moment in his presence. Our team's going to lead us. Would you move now even before we sing? Just move yourself in a posture of response. God, you are our pursuit. We hunger for you. If your rival starts with hunger, Lord, let it start here with me. And I can't get enough. No, I can't get enough of your amazing.
Thank you. 